Welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. So um, tonight I have Brandon with us um, back again. Back a again. very, a, now I can say a very good friend of mine, um, my older brother that I've never met personally. But um, first of all, welcome back. I appreciate you being back. How are things? Fantastic. I appreciate you having me, man. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, glad to be glad to be back with you. Um, thank you so much for uh, for for having me back on and for the, uh, the 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 friendship we've been able to build over the past couple of months. Amen, amen, and cheers to that. Cheers. So, the reason why I wanted to have you back is because I wanted to talk to somebody, and I felt like you were one of the group, one of the people to have this conversation with. It was just really about making it work as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, while maintaining the status of being a father and being a husband. Because I feel like okay. I feel like while it's hard enough doing it just as a normal nine to five, it's gotta be even harder running a full time business and doing it. <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on that? I'm assuming you're you're like the fatherhood and uh, husband thing you're talking about. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's it's definitely harder. I mean, the, the more responsibilities you put on a person, the, the more challenging their their life is going to be. But it the challenge is what to let go of. You know, what to streamline. I saw, I read something the other day that said, you know, if you are, um, you know, in your twenties and, uh, single and, you know, don't have any kids, you don't realize <laughs> how much free time you have right now. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. It was like build, you know, uh, they talked about build was the theme, mm -hmm. right? Use this time now to build, build your uh you know your your body your income your savings your portfolio your your tribe build all of it right mm -hmm. because those are resources you'll you know when when you commit to things that are lifelong commitments mm -hmm. um, you'll be able to lean on <clears throat> and um yeah man you know uh i think my wife and i did a uh a good job of that before we had kids, you know, we, we kind of had kids late, later than most, I think. But um, <laughs> you, you still, you know, you just you you take for granted what uh, what you have, like the, the old saying, you know, you don't know have what you don't know what you have till it's gone, right? No, I, you're right, dude. It's realize, so true. Didn't real did not realize all the free time I had. Um, I think. We, you know, we probably used it better than most. And uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very happy that like yesterday brought my son home from school and, you know, had a, a busy day and then was able to take like, uh, I think we talked about offline, the uh, the remote control cars he got for his birthday. Yeah. yeah. So he and I were able to spend just an hour and a half out there um, just racing the cars around the park before I had to come mm -hmm. back, and, you know, get back to some work stuff. So 
you know, I went I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but the the overall point is it, it is it's um, it is more challenging for sure. But uh, you've got to just like anything in life, if you want something great, you, you're going to have to let go of some stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? So uh, it, it's it's just being very. I, I'm years ago. I decided I was going to be very selective about everything. That was in my life. Anything that concerned mm-hmm. the people I spent time with, uh, the way I I made money, uh, and now even more so because any time that I'm spending, mm-hmm. you only have a limited amount of time. Any time that I'm spending to uh, uh, hang out with a friend, um, make money, learn uh, anything, is time away from my wife and kids and yeah time had better have value yeah bro it's like um i don't know if you've ever heard of dr thomas but um he's a motivational speaker and he's a um, he he got a doctorate and um i believe i'm pretty sure it's dr thomas but um very great motivational speaker he's on spotify and one of the things that he talks about was when he got so famous to where like people are pay like people companies pay him to they fly him out they pay for his flight then they pay for him to talk they pay for all of his meals they pay for everything right mm-hmm. so it came to the point where he got so busy with it where if you if you were a friend or a family member and you weren't putting something positive into his lifetime he was saying okay well how much are you charging me for this phone call? how much am i charging you for this phone call right like he he was to the point where like listen he was like listen man if I'm not making money, if I'm not helping my family, my immediate family, and this is just you giving negativity into my life, I don't have time for this phone call. And and it's like you're it's like you're and that's something that like as myself, I'm I'm young, I'm you know I'm younger than you, but like those are things that I'm learning as well. You know, I'm 31 years old, and I'm beginning to realize the same thing. Okay, it, it's not about being out with my friends anymore. It's more now. It's about okay this past three days I spent doing my floors in my house. No one came to help. I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. I got really mad a lot of times, but <laughs> I I can say that the only thing I have left is two, um, two closets and one last piece that I have to put in and, and I'm done. And I did the whole entire thing by myself and nobody else. And it's, you know, for me, that's a huge accomplishment, but it's different because like, you can ask my wife, like, I've always been the person, what are we doing? Let's go. I want to do something. But now I've really realized that in life, you really only have so many friends. <laughs> yes, my wife helped too. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you, you realize, you know, as you live life that there's only so many people you can really call friend or brother yeah. and you know and and a lot of time like for me i grew up with a lot of close friends and now only one of them is still close to me you know and and it's funny because you you don't realize that until you grow up and you realize like wow everyone that i thought was going to be here isn't here and and but the most important part is the people who stayed are the ones that mattered. you know like your wife your family your children and you know, and, and, and like you're saying, it's so important to realize 
that you have to be selective with your time. You have to be, you know, regimented with your time. You have to realize, okay, well, if I do this, then that's time away from my kids. Or if I do this, that's time away from my craft. Okay, well, like yourself. Okay, if I do this, well, then that's one less appointment that I can take today. Or that's one less thing that I can do towards my business. So it's so different having to realize that time is money and money is time. And and then realizing, okay, well, what am I putting into my time and what am I putting into my schedule? And and then who am I allowing into my schedule and who am I allowing to take up my time? Yeah. And and I and I think, you know, one of the biggest things too about the whole thing is, you know, especially being a father, it's so different because you know like i watched like i I think it's for me it's it's hard because like there's no right or wrong way to be a father and it's all from learning and it's all from error and it's all from i did right or i'm doing right or you know what i mean so a couple of things there first uh i don't think there's a right way to be a father right i think there for sure you know there are wrong ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is no one right way. Um, and to interject, I can't remember what you said, but I just wanted to, to, to say, you know, you're 31. Uh, you are, you are so far ahead of where I was at 31, man. I, I, you know, um, we, we joke about the age difference all the time, but I, I just, I'm so impressed and I admire you so much for where you are at 31. Like, thank you. You're, you're about to have your third kid, right? How long have you and your wife been married again? Too way too long. Um, (laughs) we've been married. There's a way to put me on the spot. Um, October 6th of 2013. So going on 10 years So going, well, no, this will be your next go. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So going, oh yeah, almost ten years. Good on you, man. But, yeah, and we've been together like as long as I've been in the Marine Corps, so thirteen years. At thirty-one, I mean, uh, my wife and I were together at that point, um, but it, I, you know, we had at that point we're we're planning we weren't going to get married, we weren't going to have kids. You know, we were just going to live the. Uh, the couple's life, you know, uh, and it, I was obviously still figuring life out. So again, man, I, I just think, you know, with, with where you're at in your, in your career and the things you're doing and pursuing, like it's, 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 it's admirable. Um, yeah. And the, the, what you talk about with time is money, money is time. I think time is it like that's, Mm-hmm. All money is an agreed upon idea. It is a tool to be used, mm. uh, but time is all you have, and, and it is in invaluable. Like when I talk about training or coaching and, and the programs, and when I work with people, and and they, you know, anytime someone's brought up rates, it's 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 not even a question. I think they're getting a deal because again, the time that I spend with them, I'm teaching them and coaching them. And it, and it, mm-hmm. and it means it's, I'm passionate about that. So I love doing it, especially when, mm-hmm. when, when people like, well, those moments when they're awakened to the potential that they have not tapped into, 
right? Mm -hmm. I live for that, but but that you know that time is still time away from my family. That time is I love it. A pat it, it, it it's I just I love doing it, mm -hmm. but it it is also there to serve the time I spend with my family, so I can take them places, do things with them, you know, and and do that stress free or stress free as possible. Yeah. So what are what are some of the things that like you find to be like I don't, I don't know I, I guess I could say like it's like for me it's like very I want to be you know it's it, with being a father it's important and a husband it's important that we are where the example that we need to be to our children because they're the ones that are looking at us at all the time. We're the ones, you know what I mean? So like, it's, it's so, and, and, and you never really think about it until you're the person that all eyes are on me. Right. And when I think I was thinking about it like, while I was doing the floors, when I was thinking about like getting into this episode and talking about this episode and, you know, I, I learned a lot of me becoming a, a better father or a better husband is I've, I've transitioned a lot of it from the Marine Corps. Because as a because as a Marine, we have we have to be the best leader we can be for our Marines. And that's the way that I see it in the fatherhood and, and the husbandry, you know, is, OK, I have to be the best husband that I can be for my wife. OK, how do I do that? I have to be the best father that I can be for my kids. How do I do that? And, you know. Well, I did. Ha I, I would never say I didn't have a great example of it as a father. It's just I think it's important that we explain to our kids when we do wrong or when we, you know, when we ask for forgiveness, because like that was a huge thing that I never like growing up. Like I, I never, you know, I've never had a sit down conversation with my father about things that my father struggled with. And I think that it's, you know, right now my son's three and a half, so he wouldn't understand that conversation. But I think that at some point, that's a huge part of fatherhood that we need to have. Like, hey, listen, man, like when, when you come of age and when these things are happening in your lifetime, like these are things that I've struggled with that you may have to deal with. Um, these are th and the same thing with, with being open and honest with our, with our wives. Like, hey, these are like, because... You know, I've realized in my own life that I don't have a closer friend than my wife. I don't. It's important. I, you know, and, and for me, it's something that I've realized that it's like, you know, yeah, I want my bro time. I want to go out and have a drink with my friends. I want to go watch football or whatever. Like now I've been watching football because of the playoffs and I've actually been enjoying it. I've never have before. But now I'm like, you know, if you don't know, I've always been a Bengals fan, just so you know. Um 31 years i've always been a Bengals fan um but so like up until recently i've realized that like my wife is my best friend because my wife knows everything there is to know about me yes. no one else knows me like my wife knows me um and and you really begin to realize that in order for you to have a marriage that works that's a huge part of it is being able to come to your spouse and be able to say hey listen you know i'm struggling with this or Hey, I'm struggling with this and, and being open and honest about it, because if we're not open and honest about it, well, then we're living a double life. 
And you got married in 2013. How long had you guys been together? We've been together since 2009. So we were together for like, I guess you could say like four, roughly four years before we got married. Okay. Yeah. So we got, so we got engaged when I was leaving for Afghanistan. Funny story. When we went on pre-deployment leave, my staff sergeant, uh, Staff Sergeant Espinoza, first thing he said in the brief was, nobody go get fucking married. So I said, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll just get engaged. Um, so I got engaged and I told my wife, I said, hey, listen, you need to get me a wedding band and you're going to ask me to marry you because it's fucked up that, I, that it's always on the man. So I did ask my wife to marry me, but I also said that she needed to ask me to marry her. So she gave me a wedding. So she gave me a wedding band and I put it on. And the day that we were leaving to go back to Lejeune, right before we deployed, we were in the van headed back to Lejeune. And my corporal looks at me and he sees the wedding band and he's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I didn't. But can we just tell Staff Sergeant Espinosa I did? He's like, bro, you really want to give this dude a heart attack? I was like, yes. I was like, let's do it. So we're driving. We literally get, we leave Jersey. We're driving down the parkway. And um, Corporal James looks over at me and he goes, Bennett, you got effing married? And Staff Sergeant Espinosa slams on the brakes and pulls over on the side of the road, gets out of his car, gets out of the driver's seat, opens up the door and starts screaming at me. I told you not to get married. I told everybody not to get married. You haven't even known her long enough. I don't give a damn. Meanwhile, yeah. this time I've known my wife like two and a half, almost three years. And he's like, I don't give a damn. You don't get married till after you have one deployment under your belt. He goes, you want to come home from this deployment and get back? Go right ahead. But you don't get married before you leave for Afghanistan. I was like, Staff Sergeant, I'm sorry. He's, and then he was like, you didn't even invite me. I was like, well, you told me that you wouldn't eat. I was like, you told me you didn't want to be there. Um, so then we never told him that I didn't get married. We never told him that I didn't get married. He just thought I did. So the whole deployment goes by. He thinks I'm married Lance Corporal. I get home from Afghanistan. He says hi to my wife. He's like, hi, Mrs. Bennett. And my wife's like, we're not married. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and I was like, yeah, I was just, that was a joke that I just never That's the first it. time she was called Mrs. Bennett, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, you know, so we got, you know, and that was the thing too, is that like, you know, we got married, we got married after we were engaged for a long time, but we went through a deployment, you know, we went through, we were living together we went through two houses together. Like we went through apartments together. We went through, you know, you know, you, you really don't think about how much you've gone through with somebody until you start talking about it until you start looking at it and you're like, wow, right. like we, yeah. you know, like, We've gone through apartments, we've gone through miscarriages, we've gone through, you know, losing a baby, we've gone through now having a third baby. And it's just like, wow, like you never really realize how much you've been through with one person until you've gone through and then you're like, wow, we've been through you know, a lot. And here's here's something to keep in mind. You you are still going to learn things about each other. Yeah. Right. Bro, I, I learned this weekend that my wife is a psychotic football fan. Um, so I so I've always known that my wife liked football. 
but we've just never I've never really been a huge fan of it. Like we've watched Super Bowls together, but we've never like sat down on Sundays and indulged in football. Last Sunday, not well, not this past Sunday, but the follow, but the, the Sunday before that, I watched the first ever football game, like legitimate, like full on game with my wife, and it was the Bengals. The Bengals is her parents' team, like her dad's like number one team. Them and the Bengals and the Vikings. So my wife has never seen them in the Super Bowl because the last time they were in the playoffs was 1988, from what I understand. Yeah. So my wife is standing here like dude this is like this is my wife she stands up and she's like go you fucking pansies you and she's sitting on the couch like this and she's like this and she's like this and she's screaming and i'm just sitting here like "Mm." who is this and i'm just i'm like who is this person because i've never seen this person in 13 years my son he's sitting on the couch and he's like like he's like, what's going on? Then my daughter, my wife's screaming, go, go, go. Now my daughter's screaming, go, go, go. <laughs> and it's, dude, it's insane. Following week, now this past Sunday, we're upstairs. I just finished the floors in the one room. She's watching the Bengals game. And she's screaming loud as can be. I have the window open because we were letting the floor air out. And my neighbors are always outside smoking. And she's screaming, and and the neighbors are just like going in and out of the house, in and out of the house. And I go outside after the game, after they won, and um, the father sees me, and he goes, "So I guess somebody's a Bengals fan." <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yes, my wife." He goes, "Bro, I didn't even need to watch the game. Every time we were outside smoking, your wife would start screaming. I'd go back in to see what just happened." And I was like. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is like, I've been, like I said, I've been with my wife 13 years and, you know, you really begin to realize that like, there's new stuff to learn all of the time. Yeah. And, and you're never going to not, you're never going to know everything. Um, right. But that's the beauty of it. But yeah, it, it's, um, yeah. I mean, you, you'll, you'll learn things. They will teach you things about yourself too. You know, mm. I, uh, so, <clears throat> You know about the my, my accident four years ago. Yeah. Um, I did a, uh, there was like the, the third night I was in it. My wife stayed with me the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. I, I took a picture of her sleeping on the on the, the little fold-out bed next to me. And I was like, you know, this this unbelievable woman, I, I posted about it. She, this unbelievable woman stayed with me the whole time, right? The whole week I was in the hospital, never left my side, except to go get, pick up some food and bring it in, stuff like that. Um, and she was always like, well, you know, where else would I go? I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, what, I just, you know, she was like, of course I was going to be by your side. And I was like, well, yeah, but you know, I, I, I still appreciate it. And then, um, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but when I was six years old, uh, I had, a, a I don't know if you know what epiglottitis is. I do not. It's a, a constriction of the windpipe. Uh, so I woke mm-hmm. up in the middle of the night one night, and um, like I was wheezing, right, very labored breathing, and I, I it was getting harder and harder to breathe. Um, maybe it was five, I think five years old. Uh, 
my dad was working night shift. My mom took me to, called him. He came home. They took me to the hospital and then ended up taking me to uh, Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. Ended up life flighting in the helicopter to there. And oh, wow. Yeah. So had to get, big long story. Anyway, I was out. I was like in a coma for a couple of days. Um, and when I woke up, my mom was right there, right? And she had said, uh, my first words were, where'd you get the sweater? And and then she just started crying because, you know, that was the, the first thing I said in a couple of days. But then um, I, you know, I was out all that time. And I think, you know, my mom's staying with us now that she's retired. She's yeah, uh, yeah, I remember going back and forth that. between our house here in Texas, my brother's <clears throat> house with his his kids in North Carolina. Um, she had, uh, uh, she had said, um, you know, once I woke up, everybody was like, oh, he's going to be okay. And they went home. Right. And then I was in the hospital by myself and she, you know, I'd never put it together, but she was like, that's why you made such a big deal about me being in the, about her staying in the hospital for, for that whole week. And I was like, you know, I guess I never thought about it, but yeah, cause I still think back to that, and that was, uh, you know, that was it was a a rough, intimidating time for for a kid to be in hospital yeah. by yourself. So it again, it it's you'll learn things about each other, and you'll teach things. Uh, yeah, you'll teach each other things about yourself. Yeah, but you know what I think is weird though, like you talking about that is that like me and my wife, like I I, I don't know if me and my wife are just different when it comes to certain things. But like me and my wife look at each other and like there's somebody I'm I'm not gonna go into who it is, but somebody very close to me has been in the hospital numerous times. And numerous times his wife has not been in the hospital with him. He's been in the hospital by himself, his wife is nowhere to be found. And me and my wife are like, bro, if you, every time my wife has ever been in the hospital. I've been right next to her holding her hand. Right. Every single time. Right. Like, my wife went through cancer. I was right there with her. You know, like, I'll never forget, you know, one day I was working with the Marine Corps on active duty. I was doing toys for tots. And um, I get a call from my wife. And this was in our first house that we bought. And I get a call from my wife. And she's like, Doug, I can't breathe. I'm going to pass out. And I can't see. I don't know what's happening. And then she hangs up the phone. And she tells me that she's in the shower. I hear the shower running. So, now mind you, my shower was on the second floor of my house. So now I'm like, oh shit. Like, what the, what's going on? So I tell my gunny, I'm like, listen, at the time I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't drive. I tell my gunny, I'm like, listen, gunny, I got to get home. My wife, I don't know what the hell is going on, but my wife just told me she passed out. And like she, my wife told me that she's going to pass out. I don't know what's going on. I, I need someone to drive me home. Yeah, yeah. So, so somebody drives me home. This corporal gets me to my house. I open the door. My wife is sprawled out on the, on the floor, but she somehow made it down the stairs. She has no idea how she made it down the stairs. She has no, she has no recollection. She's on the ground. She's convulsing. And her eyes are behind the back of her head. 
And um, so I'm calling her mom. I had, well, I had called her mom on the way. Her mom gets there as I get there. We call the ambulance. She gets in the car and, and the ambulance. The ambulance rushes, rushes her there. Um, I don't even think we ever found out whatever the whatever it was. It was some some doctor who diagnosed her and said had no. It was right after her weight loss surgery, and um, but I just remember that happening, and like my heart like dropped to my chest, you know, dropped to my stomach. Yeah. And and then I remember like sitting in the hospital with her, like right next to her. And then I hear and like and then I hear all these other people like in other instances and they're like, Oh yeah, my wife's at the hospital and I'm like, Well, why aren't you there with her? Like she's there alone. Like, why are you not where I don't I don't understand. Right. You know, and it's just like it's just so crazy yeah. to me how like I guess different I I guess relationships are different for everybody, but like sometimes to me it's just like no, there's things that are just common sense. Like if my wife's in the hospital, I'm going to be beside her in the hospital. Yeah. You know, like when my, like when my wife was, you know, all both of our children, you know, I've been right beside her, you know, you know, and you know, yes, I get it. You know, at night when the nurses come in, I'm sleeping in the bed and she's in the chair. Okay. Don't judge me. I'm tired too. Um, but you know, it's, it's just you know we're we're there for each other and i just don't know why it's just yeah. to me it's funny it's just a weird thing when others aren't yeah man and it's you know yeah i uh i think back to this summer uh you know my, my daughter's eight months old but when she was at like three months she had rsv mm -hmm. and we had to take her into the hospital and that was a rough time man because my wife and my daughter when my daughter was in the hospital, my wife stayed with her. And then my son was back home. My in-laws came up from Houston to, to help. And I, I had to go back and forth. And, um, but I remember, cause you know, the, I, the, the treatments were, it's going to be hard for me to talk about it, man. The treatments were rough because they had to do this like nasal, drainage thing and she was she would scream and she has no idea what's happening she has no idea how long it's going to go yeah. on for and and then it, they would have to do that every so often so she could breathe and then <clears throat> there was a point where um she you know my wife's there with her and she would hold her and let her sleep and then this uh you know resident comes in and um, he says, he, he, you know, uh, can I, I, I need to do some tests on your daughter. Uh, and I was like, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting in the corner. I was like barely awake and he, he comes in he says, I need to do some tests on her. I need to check her heart. You know, blah, I need to get her, you know, hear her heartbeat, whatever, blah, blah. And she, you know, Terrence go, well, she, you know, she just had the treatment. She's, she's sleeping. And he goes, why well, I'd like to do these tests. You know, it's part of, uh, it was part of his curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. And then she, my wife had been awake for probably 24 hours at this point, and she was just like, okay. And so, you know, I stood up and said, hey, hold on one second. Does this benefit my daughter in any way, or is this just you checking boxes? And he was like, no, this is part of my curriculum. There's no benefit to your daughter. And I was like, Okay, well, show yourself out, right? Because for me, yeah, 
I don't give a, I don't yeah. care about your curriculum, right? Yeah. yeah. This is miserable for her. She's mm -hmm. been alive three months. Yeah. Been outside the womb three months. And, yeah. and this is just absolute misery. She's getting some peace right now. And you are trying to be a doctor who's going to take an oath to do no harm. And you want to wake her up and do some tests. I was, I, I, I was, uh, uh, very proud of myself for yeah. maintaining in that, you know, uh, calm, cool and collected at, at that point. But, um, yeah. it, yeah, it was just, you know, being there is 90% of it, right? Yeah. It, you you showing up, that's a rule, anything, anything that you you can tell me what you think is important in life, but mm -hmm. show me your yeah. schedule, Re like retroact. What do you have scheduled? But then retroactively, what did you actually show up for? Yeah. Not, those are your priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's so true, man. And that's why it's like, I don't know, man. Like I just think about it and I'm just like, I don't know. Like, like, like what you're talking about with your daughter, like I, like my daughter, man, like, I don't know how many times like I've rushed to the emergency room with my daughter at like three in the morning because like some, like she gets like really, really bad, like, um, like fevers and like coughing attacks and stuff like that. And like sometimes to the point where like, she'll like, just be like, just sweating. So like I've rushed her to the emergency room and then I've sat there and I, and it's just it's the worst thing in the world because especially at an age where they can't tell you what's wrong and they just won't stop screaming and then you're trying to understand what's wrong and they can't tell you so now you're like thinking of all of the things that could be wrong and then you're you know and then you're rushing to the hospital and then you're you know you're holding them and it's just yeah. Dude, it's, it's insane. And and then it just, like, the thing that just bothers me and that I just don't get is that how, like, how people can't be there for their children. Like, I, I will never understand fathers. Like, I have, we ha I have a close friend of mine who's having a baby. And she told the guy, like, she told the guy that she's with, like, hey, I'm I'm having your baby. And he said, Okay, cool. And that was it. And it's like, now mind you, I don't know what's going on in this guy's life. I'm not gonna sit here and judge him, but I'll just never understand how somebody can say those words to you and you not be excited and be like, Bro, I'm gonna be a father. And then one I, I, I just can't understand it. You know, especially with like the fact that I have two children that I love and adore, and then I have a third one on the way. Like, I just don't know how people cannot be there for their children. Like, I just, I'll never understand it. It's just yeah. the craziest thing. Like, just real quick, say uh, thanks to Lisa. Um, Lisa, yo, Lisa is, you know, the bomb.com, man. She is. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know I said the bomb.com, but bless <laughs> your baby's heart. It is so hard. Yeah, when your child is hurt, sick, etc. It's exactly yeah, it, it really is, and especially because like you, like I said, you just don't know what's going <laughs> on, and you don't know, and I feel like I don't know if I'm wrong. If I don't know if I'm wrong, um, but I feel like I am. No, I feel like I'm not wrong. 
um, was I never wrong. But I feel like women have it even harder because like they have that mother's intuition. And like, I feel like we don't as men have that nearly as much as they do. Yeah, man. Well, you know I mean? it, the, the child literally came out of them, right? It, yeah. It's, it's um, so there's something there, you know, you and I just can't understand. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Hillary. <laughs> um, but it, it's, uh, you know, like, like, um, you and, and Lisa were both saying there when, you, when your, your child's hurt, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to deal with, but there's, there's like, my son just turned three, right? And like when, when he's upset and he doesn't know why, right? Mm. Right. He doesn't know why. So, you, you know, you just, you sit with him and ask questions. Why, you know, what is it? Try, try to help him figure it yeah. out. But then there's also like, so every Wednesday night we go to, uh, tonight we were at this uh, kid strong. It's like, a lot of people call it like a, a children's CrossFit, but it's basically like a gym class. We take them to once a week and they do all these different drills and they'll, they'll do things. And we got that. How old is he? Night. He's three. Bro, I, I got to get my son into something like that. It's I awesome. It. So look up Kid Strong. So it's a franchise, man. It, if, if, if there isn't one up there, maybe you should open one up. It is awesome. But he, um, <clears throat> uh, there is these, they have boxes everywhere and they have a rig and they have some rings on it. And he's in a box holding onto the rings. And like he jumped off. It's the first time he's ever tried that. And like just fell down and like the ring, his feet swung under and then he fell and like boom, landed flat on his back. Right. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a far fall, but it scared him. Right. So he started crying. So he's not hurt, but they go over there, pick him up. I'm just like, hey, what happened? He's like, you you fell, right? He goes, yeah. You know, he's crying. It's like, I was like, did it hurt or did it scare you? And he's just crying a little bit, thing, and just ask him, did it hurt or did it scare you? Because I don't really know either, right? The floors yeah. are all padded there, so I'm pretty yeah. sure it scared him. He's like, scared, scared. Okay, so it scared you. That's okay. You know, not to do that next time. So help him figure out, like, <clears throat> you know. Uh, are you hurt or are you scared and, and just how to deal with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just be able to get through it quickly. So you can <clears throat> to, you know, a place where it's fun. And when, <clears throat> when they, when it's not so obvious, like you and Lisa were talking about when it's not so obvious and you can't figure it out and you don't know where to start to help them figure it out. Yeah. That yeah. is. Yeah, dude, and I definitely get it, man, because, like, and that's the thing, that, that's why I love having this conversation, because, like, these are things that, like, nobody talks about, like, nobody talks about, like, hey, what's it like to have a three-year-old, and how do you get the like, and it's, like, because you're just, like, okay, like, my daughter right now, like, because of COVID, I'm, I'm going to blame 100%, I don't care, but I blame it on COVID, um, because of COVID, her teachers in the daycare have to wear masks, so she's very behind with her words my my son was my my son was not my son was very further on now like I, i'm telling you right now bro this past weekend that we did floors my what my daughter learned learned a lot of expletives um <laughs> she 
Uh, we so, dude, we don't know who the hell Sasha is, but my daughter now says Sasha. She's like Sasha, and we're like, who is Sasha? No idea, but she knows the word Sasha. Um, she learned to how to say tools, so I said no. She doesn't know how to say them, but she knows what they are. So I said, Brooklyn, I need the measuring tape. She brought me the measuring tape. Brooklyn, I need the screwdriver. She brought me the screwdriver. Brooklyn, I need the hammer. She brought me the hammer. So she knows all these things. Um, but it's just funny because, like, when she doesn't, it's just the, she understands, but the speaking is the part that she doesn't understand. And so, like, when she says thank you, she says it like in kind of like a broken English. She's like, thank you, and and it's you know, but it's just it's hard. It's like tonight, doing the floors after I got done work, and she we don't know what's wrong with her, but she keeps crying, and we're like Brooklyn, what's wrong? Like tell us what's wrong, and all she keeps saying is but, but, so we check a diaper, there's nothing in there. She's like but. But and we're like, okay, well, what about your butt? And like, help us out here, you know. And it's and it's so it's just like, you know, it's you get so frustrated, but then you have to relax and tell yourself, okay, well, they're frustrated too because they don't know how to explain. Yeah, man. So there is, uh, <clears throat> my wife is brilliant. She um, told me a piece. This is like when when. Gavin, before Freya was here, when Gavin would be crying and, and you know, throwing a tantrum or whatever. I mean, uh, not that he did that a lot, but she would just handle it with such ease and grace. And she told me, she goes, you know, I just, I tell myself, he's not giving me a hard time. He's having a hard time. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. how can you, you know, if you put it that way, yeah a child having a hard time it's really hard to not yeah do that and yeah and and i gotta give it to the people that like like me i told my wife all the time i'm like bro like i don't know how people deal with people like people that like children that have like autism asperger's like bro i don't know i god give you grace because like it's so hard dealing with a child who speaks fine you know a child who doesn't have a learning disability so like it's got to be even crazier for people who have children that have a, a learning disability their whole life yeah you know what i mean like even like my son like my son he'll come like my son dude it's crazy the things that like i don't know if you've realized this too like because like your son's like the same age as mine but like the stuff that my son just comes up to me and says He's like, and then it's like, I don't even know where he gets it from. Like some of the time, like he's just like, hey, dad, watch this. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't even, I, I who speaks like that? Because I don't. And he's just, or he's like, dad, do you see this? And it's just like, or like we have full on conversations. And I'm like, dude, you're three and a half years old. Like, I feel like, I don't know if I was just like really behind, but I feel like I was never as far as he is. Because like he'll. Like, dude, at dinner, he'll have ex- like full on conversations with us at the dinner table. Like, he'll 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 have full like, oh, Lucas, how was school today? And he'll like, oh, well, Miss Fatma did this, or Miss this, this, and this, or my friend did this, and my friend did that. And I'm like, dude, you're three and a half years old. Like, how is your vernacular this, like, 
big advanced and yeah. it's it's insane like um but i don't know man and so like i guess a part of the thing would that excuse me that i would ask you is what are some things that like you look at yourself and you're like you know what i need to do this better for my friends for my children for my family for my for my wife like what are things that you try to work on daily uh i've well yeah, quick answer i mean all of it uh but You know, I, I I want. I think you know I I, uh, I think we talked about it before. Uh, shortly after my my son was born, I I, I started seeing a therapist, um, just because I wanted to uh, get a better control of my anger. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It definitely wasn't like it was when I was younger, but uh, it's, um, you know, anger's not a bad thing. Yeah. Just like uh, happiness isn't a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. But too much of either of those is a bad thing. Yeah. Right? If somebody yeah. is too happy, they're insane yeah you're too angry well same thing just flip side of the same coin mm-hmm. so um being able to uh so there there's a uh a pretty good example from this weekend my my son's third birthday was this past weekend and we were at uh this great you know I, I don't want to throw any place under the bus because it was we, the kids all had a blast. They didn't know anything. But there was a bit of a, a difficult person who was uh, there. And, you know, it would have been really easy to just blow up. Yeah. Right. And be like, you know, go off. But, <clears throat> you know, that makes it about me. Right. Yeah. yeah really yeah. easy. It can feel good to do that. But it's, you know, when all that adrenaline and all those chemicals are going nuts in your brain and you just mm. want to go berserker um, mm. to be able to just stay cool, calm, collected and just, hey, here's what needs to happen. How do we make this happen? Right. Yeah. Um, and be able to just keep that even now at some point in the future, you know, like none of the kids and none of the other parents there really saw anything that was wrong or was going on. So just mm-hmm. the situation and then, you know, take the frustration from it and put it into my workout, right. Put it into something productive or put it into some yeah. get done. But um, at some point in the future, I think, it'll, you know, there may be, there will be a time when I'm dealing with a person like that and he's aware of it, right. He's old enough to understand and see uh, this person is, is being difficult or trying to make the situation more difficult for whatever reason people have bad days they may be a difficult to work with person but they may just be someone having a bad day and to be able to at that point um this is something my my grandfather i grew up with modeled well very well for me 
And I can remember specific situations of him dealing with difficult people. And there were times where he was like, you know, um, hey, let's bring it down. Let's deal with this. Or there were times when maybe that person was getting more escalated. He was like, all right, we're done. We're done. But later he would like debrief me, right? And like, what what did you see there? What was going on? You know, so, uh, you know, there, I know those times are going to come in the future. So I've got to keep it in my, you know, in my head to be able to uh, set the example mm-hmm. and then explain the example. Yeah. Then even because I'm not perfect, I will yeah. mess up at some point. Yeah. But talk about what did you see there? You know, not just what mistakes did the other people make, right? But mm-hmm. what mistakes did I make and how could yeah. I handle it differently, right? Dude, and, and that's and that's the thing, and like I'm glad that you even thought about that because that's a lot of what today's world is missing. Is that is the accountability piece. Like you being you accountable. Make mistakes. You can't yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the thing about it is like is is like you know being accountable to yourself while being accountable to your family because if you have the ability to say to your wife or to your children like hey i messed up you know i messed up and this happened it helps your children understand because it's very different like myself like i i I was telling this uh i was talking about this yesterday you know and i think i told this to you in the first episode but you know my grandfather died when he was 69 years old and the week prior to him dying um he had really bad dementia and alzheimer's alzheimer's and i remember i walked in the house and i hadn't seen him in a while and i walked in the house and um you know i said hey grandpa it's and he was like who the hell are you why are you pointing a gun at me and I was like, I was like, Grandpa, it's me, it's Doug. And I knew, so I had just gotten home from Afghanistan. And I knew that he had been sick, but I didn't know that it was this bad. This is the first time I'm actually seeing it happen. And the reason why I did it this way is because my grandma, years, like, as I grew up, was like, hey, if you show up unannounced, it's better. Because if you call and you say you're going to come and you don't come, then he's going to be upset that you didn't come. So it's better that you just come to the house unannounced. So okay. I, so I called my, I told my grandmother, hey, we're coming, we're on our way, we'll be there in a few hours, six hour drive. <clears throat> so we get up there, we get to the house, and um, I walk in, and my grandfather had recently broken his back and he was laid up, in a in a gurney in the living room. And I come in, and I was like, hey, Pop. I was like, it's, it's me. I was like, I love you. What's going on? And he sits up in his bed, and he looks at me, and he goes, who the fuck are you, and why are you in my house with a gun? And I was like, Grandpa, it's me. It's me. And I started crying because I was just like, like Grandpa, it's like your grandson. Like, it's Doug. It's, it's me. And um, for a while, he had no idea who I was. And then eventually, he started to think that I was my father. And then mm-hmm. for the next week, he thought that I was my father. Um, every time we spoke, he thought that I was my father. So he would call me Jimmy. Um, and I started breaking down crying. And he looked at me and he just looked at me and he said, listen, he said, now mind you, this is the strongest man I've ever known in my entire life. 
I've I've never lost. I mean, I've never won a rest um, a finger wrestling match to him because he's always destroyed me every single time my entire life. He wouldn't even let you win. He would just freaking destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen him cry. I've never seen him do any of these things. And now all of a sudden I'm crying and he looks at me and he starts crying and he says, Hey, it's okay to cry and it's okay to, to, to just be who you are. And if you have to cry then cry. And now this is someone who's for 69 years has been the hardest mother ever, ever. He was a, a wrestler in Canada. He was a trucker. He was not, no, I'm sorry. He owned a taxi cab company. He was a painter. He was a carpenter. Like this dude, like his hands had calluses all over them. Like, yeah, never did you hear this man ever utter like a tear. And, and for him to say that to me, it just made me realize that like, it's okay to realize that like, Hey, we all mess up. And the thing is, is that when you have people like that in your life that are 60, that, that, you know, get up to their early, to their later years in life, as a person, as a man growing up, you're like, oh, I can't be that way. I can't be that way. I can't be that way. But then you relate, and now being a father, it's like, okay, well, I have to tote the fine line. I have to be a manly man. I have to be a father, but I also be, have to be able to show my children that I can be emotional, yeah. that I can be there for them, that I'm there for my daughter. And then it's different. You know, you te- you have to treat your, and then it's like that confusing thing. Do you treat your daughter differently than you treat your son? Do you not treat them differently? Do you show your son a harder love because he's a male? Do you not show him a harder love? Like, you know what I mean? And then yeah. your daughter's your only daughter. And then it's and then it's like you have to be transparent. You have to be you know, it's such a hard thing when it comes to that part of it. You know what I mean? It is. It is. I I think there's a couple things there, man. First, uh I don't want to lose my train of thought. Um I think the a big key to being a good father is being a hypocrite because I'm going to tell my kids like not to do a ton of things that I've done. Hmm. Right. And that's being a hypocrite. And I think back to, uh, like, again, my, my grandfather, the, uh, um, the man that raised me from 11 to 18 before I went in the Marines, who was a Marine in World War II. He was a machine gunner, same as me. Hmm. Uh, I should say I was a machine gunner, same as him. Uh, you know, he was just, I'll send you an article I wrote years ago uh, about him. I called it uh, Live and Let Live Until It's Kill or Be Killed. Um, because he was like, he was just, I'm convinced one of the baddest men ever to walk the planet. But when I was his young grandson, I never knew any of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing, but like the gentleman who would, you know, um, just the, the gentleman, right. Mm -hmm. The gentle 
hard worker who would get shit done around the house and, uh, you know, never harm a fly. <clears throat> so, um, you know, as I, again, lived with him from, eight, from 11 to 18, um, as I went into my late teens and then joined the Marines and would come back home, there were people who would love to tell me about, like, everything he did wrong when he was younger, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. People who'd done jack shit with their lives, yeah. right? So okay. we can, you know, we can extrapolate what their intent was from there just to make themselves feel better. Um, <clears throat> so again, I, I just, I think that it is, a, it is an essential part of being good dad is to have some, uh, uh, some sense of, of, of being a hypocrite. Yeah, rising against things that you've done. That's See, I don't know though, because like I, I would say that I disagree because like, like my father, like the one thing I love about my father is that my father was never a hypocrite. Like my father, straight out, like he, like he smoked cigarettes. He would never look at me and be like, "Hey, why the hell are you smoking?" He would say, "Listen." I've smoked my whole life. I don't think it's something that you should do. These are the negative connotations for smoking. This is where it's led me down my life. You shouldn't do it. But if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Okay. But I mean, he did, I do it. You shouldn't. That's hypocrisy. That's being a hypocrite. Yeah, you're right. So, but but, <laughs> but it... it um, I mean, you know, we, but, but again, that's experience, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, but also understanding they're going to make those mistakes, right? Yeah. And then to the thing, do I treat my son different than my daughter? I think it's just natural. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, like I, my, like growing up, like when my son was growing up, like well, he's still growing up, but like, well, my son has temper tantrums. I, I don't care. Done. You're done. Stop. When my daughter has a temper tantrum, come here, baby. Come here. Come here. I love you. I love you. What's wrong? What can I do? Like, like, like that whole thing that people say about like your your daughter's your princess. A hundred percent of the time. Like now, mind you. Do I like? Do I yell at my daughter? Do I reprimand her? Do I put her in timeout? Yes, but do I put her in timeout the level that I put my son in timeout? I don't know, and 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 for me, it's like I mean, my wife have this conversation all the time because like it's also very different for me because my son, the first two years of his life, I was on active duty on recruiting duty. And I was never home. So, like, my wife literally took care of Lucas probably the first two years of his entire life. So, like, I wasn't here. Like, my daughter, I've been here since since she was born. I've been here all the time, every weekend. I've been I've been there. So it's very different. So I don't I don't even know what the opposite looks like because I wasn't there to witness it. It didn't happen. Right. Um, but I already see a difference because like when my daughter, when something's wrong with my daughter, 
I'm immediately very different than like something that something's wrong with my son. Like I, 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 I cater different to the two of them. You know, like I don't know. It just I think no. it, I think it is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can see it. I, I think back to. <clears throat> Yeah, they. Uh... But it's like it, it's like they they pull on your heartstrings and they know how to because like your like your son, like my daughter will look at me in a way that my son just can't, and it's like I'm yelling at my daughter because she just did something wrong, like she just threw water all over the place or she just spilled something all over the place on purpose, and I'm like Brooklyn, why did you do that? And then she just looks at me and she goes. And you're just like, okay. Your heart messes. Yeah. Right. And you're like, all right, I'll clean it up. You know, go to bed. And she looks at you and she's like, no, no. But if my son says that to me, I'm like, no, you're going to bed right now. Let's go. And it's like, it's just a, it's, it's just such a different thing. You know what I mean? So my, my yeah, my daughter's eight months. So she, you know, she's barely crawling right now um so she really can't get into it, but but i can see that uh yeah because you want there's i don't know who said it but there is the it's a true statement that no man wants a weak son mm -hmm. right so you you know, you want to teach them how to how to be tough, how to be durable, how to handle that. But at the same time, you know, you want to teach them. And I think we've done a really good job on this side, on both sides so far, like how to how to love, how to be compassionate as well. And dude, that's that's what it is, man. Like that's the hardest thing is being is that fine is walking that fine line yeah because like you yes. don't like you don't like my son like if he gets upset about something like i don't want to be like stop crying there's no reason to cry why are you crying right but then i also want to be like hey what's going on with you why are you crying is there something wrong like what's going on yeah and it's and it's so you know or like for instance like my son like you know, like you were saying, your son was doing that CrossFit stuff, right? Or the that, that thing. So, like over the summer, I was bringing my son. He started soccer. Um, he did like three or four games, and it's also I realized that for whatever reason, I don't know why, my son doesn't like loud noises, and he doesn't like crowds. So I realized, like the for game first day, day like game, and that's another thing about being a father is like you have to be aware aware of your surroundings and also understand okay how do my children learn and how do they react to things. So that's something that I learned as well. Yeah, and I'm learning that. So like, I remember the first game, he was very hesitant to even just walk up to the starting to like learn and learn what was going on. So then I had to. To slowly like I was like okay well we'll stand back here, and then when you're ready we'll we'll move up. So gradually we moved up, and then the first the first day was a thirty minute session. He didn't want to kick the ball. He didn't want anything to do with it. Okay, the mm -hmm. next game a week later we come back. 
Now he's a little bit more about it. He's in the ball, but now someone takes the ball from him. Okay, well, he doesn't really know what's going on. So it was very hard or like, to, to try to understand, okay, well, how do I explain to him this at such a young age? You know, how do I explain to him? And then it's also like you're dealing with your parenting level and then you're dealing with fucking 12 other people's parents and how they parent. Yeah. And it's like, and that's the thing too, is like, okay, well, you're three and a half year old's a ball hog. You should probably tell him to relax, you know? And it's like, or you're, you're a three and a half year old's a bully. You should tell him to relax, you know? And, and or something like that. And it's like, now I'm just saying to your kid, Hey, go out there and, and push yourself. But then remembering, okay, well, he's only three, you know? So it's, it's so hard yeah to be on that line especially at a young age like this i think well yeah i think with uh <clears throat> with gavin he was two and a half when we brought his his sister home and uh um you know all credit to my wife she did a really good job prepping him for that uh because when we brought you know you hear all kinds of different stories from the extremely bad to the extremely good, we brought her home, <clears throat> rolled the stroller in, and the first thing he did was he just went over and gave her a hug. Yeah. Like just, like, leaned on her, gave her a big hug, and, and I was just like, oh, man, that's perfect. And he still does that. Yeah. He loves his sister. Um, well, you know, sorry to interrupt you, but just because you're going off on this and I, I don't want to forget it. You know what a, I, I – I clearly, I don't live with you and your wife, and I don't know how you and your wife react to each other. But I can only tell by who you are that I feel like you and your wife are compassionate people towards one another. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. So me and my wife were literally just having the same conversation over the weekend. My my son is the same way. My son will hug her, my, my daughter, good night. He will give her a kiss, good night. In the morning, as soon as he wakes up, the first thing he says is, Dad, can I go wake up Brooklyn? Dad, can I go wake up Brooklyn? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Dad, can I get her clothes ready for school? Dad, can I help you? Like, all he wants to do all of the time is be a big brother. He's like, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And, but he is also affectionate towards her. If, you know, and, it, and, and also, like, you, you also got to realize, like, there's always going to be that sibling, right, you know, the sibling rivalry, you know, yeah. like, sometimes he'll pick on her, and then you're like, okay, Lucas, why are you doing that? You're, you shouldn't be doing that. But then he'll, but then without telling him, he'll say, I'm sorry. And it's like, but the point, the reason why I was interrupting you was because the reason why our children are so, so compassionate towards one another is because we show compassion to our wives and our children see that and they go, okay, that's how I'm supposed to act. Right. They, they, and they, other families don't do that. There's other people out there whose children, they don't ever see that. Like myself, my, I was born, my parents got divorced when I was seven. I never saw my father and my mother be compassionate towards one another. I've never seen my father embrace my mother. I've never seen my father embrace my, my, even my stepmother. 
So because I've never saw that, and my wife, if you ask her the same thing, she's never seen her mom and dad hug each other, console each other, say I love you, or those things. Yeah. Me and my wife, on the other hand, completely polar opposites. I come home from work. Hey, honey, I love you. How are you? I leave for work. Hey, honey, how are you? I give her a kiss before bed. Give her give everyone a kiss goodnight. So now we've created that in our family. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I said this on TMR's podcast, but I think, uh, uh, without trying to sound braggadocious here, but a strength is of mine is that I can learn from other people's mistakes, uh, better than Mm. most, um, Mm. you know, as well as learn from my own. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's something I don't think, uh, with, my parents was was modeled well but it it is something that uh you know my my wife and i um do not only with each other but like we have this thing where we haven't done it in a while you know honestly maybe we should start doing it again but if we're grocery shopping or whatever like especially if it's if it's been a rough time for whatever reason we'll do what we call the compliment game which is just uh we'll see who can give more compliments to to complete strangers wherever we are right and it's like um uh you know we're always in a better mood after we do that because the reactions are all over the place all over the board right you get some people who are you know you're just be like hey you like that shirt and they're just like oh and they'll tell you the story about the shirt where they got yeah. it all that yeah. you get some people who are like all right and just walk away <laughs> so whatever happens like it's just interesting to see how people react and mm-hmm. you know it's you know no no one ever comes back with well f you you know or they yeah. yeah like the worst you'll get is just an odd look and whatever but it's just yeah yeah well you you also don't live in new york um, because I do that it's and true. I get, I, I, and I live in New Jersey and I do that. So I do it. So I do it exactly what you're saying, but I do it more so to piss my wife off because she doesn't like conversations like that. So we'll be walking through ShopRite or Target or like whatever local store we're at. And I'll be like, Oh my God, that's a beautiful shirt you have on there. And then they'll be like, or I'll just be like, oh my god! Or I'll call them by the wrong name purposely. I'll be like, oh my god, Margaret, how are you? And now I've gotten my son to do it. So my son will be like, hey, uh, hey, Fred, how are you? Hey, Bill, how are you? And and so now I've yeah. But um, no, and that's the thing about it, man, is that you have to do things like that because you have to be able to show your children, and you have to be the model and the role model because if you're not. Then when they become and, and again that's like where i was talking before with the, with the with the marine corps if i'm a bad leader my marines become a bad leader then who's to blame i am yeah man so if if i and that's the thing is like i've I, and i said this before, uh, in a couple of episodes before but i've never told my son to hold the door open for somebody i've never taught him to do that i've never taught him that but he does it and then i realized he does it because i do it i do it 
every right. day. When I go to Wawa, when I go to Target, I will hold the door open and I will let the person go in. And I'm the first person that if I hold the door open for you and you don't say thank you, I will say, wow, you're rude. That's exactly what I will say. So now my three and a half year old son, he will run up to the door and he will open up. He's three and a half, bro. He will take both hands and pull that door and he'll open the door. And if you walk through that door and you don't say thank you, he will look at you and say, dad, they're rude. And I'm like, <laughs> so first off, wrong. first off, who doesn't say thank you to a three-year-old that opens the door? Bro, you, we live in New Jersey, bro. <laughs> That's, that is when I start getting, I'm like, bro, my three and a half year old son went out of his way to hold the door open for you. And he probably only reaches above your knee and you couldn't say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so or hold the door open for me to walk in with my children. Like, yeah. bro. But yeah. And that, and that, but again, that's the thing is that when you're doing right, your children, and that's the thing about it. And that's why it's so hard because you have to do right. Because your children are always watching. So one thing I, I never even noticed is just whenever we walk around the neighborhood, any cars that go by, I always just, hey, you know, I waved every yeah. car, even if it's just, even if it's a service vehicle coming through, right? Yeah. Um, and it just never thought about it. I don't know when I started doing that or whatever, but I just yeah. always keep, you know, the, the neighborhood friendly and familiar. Um, so when we go around and he's riding his bike, every time a car comes by, he stops and he, he waves. And my wife, yeah. my wife pointed it out to me. She's like, you see him? I was like, oh yeah, he's waving. She's like, cause he sees you do it. And I was like, oh yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Way to go, buddy. Yeah. Whatever you do, man, they're little sponges. Bro. And, and that's the thing about him. And is that <laughs> like, that's when you got to realize that like, and that's when I started realizing, okay, well, then I need to, going back to where we were in the very beginning of this, is that's when you realize, okay, well, where am I putting my time? Because my child, is they know where is dad's time? What is he doing? How does dad react when this happens? Yeah. What is dad, you know, and, and I have friends of mine who, you know, who are like, you know, their child will say something to their mother. And they go, oh, where'd you learn that? And it's like, well, bro, how do you talk to your wife? <laughs> what do you What do you mean? Like your your kid only knows that from one way. There's only one other person talking to your kids talking to your kid's mom. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's the thing about it. Is, and I, and I'm not gonna say I haven't caught myself, you know. And that's the thing about it is that like we realize that like okay, I'm the model that they're following. I'm the I'm the person that they see every single day. Yeah, man. You know, so this, this may have been before your time, but it's back to that old, uh, uh, old "Say No to Drugs" commercial. The the, mm -hmm. the guy comes in the room. He's like, "Where'd you learn this? Where'd you where Where'd you learn how to do this?" And the kid's like, "I learned it from watching you, right?" Mm -hmm. And then the, the narrator says, "Parents who do drugs have children who do drugs, right?" But it was it was really cheesy and really formulaic. And this was definitely before your time. I can tell you're not remembering it. This is probably uh, mid '80s. Uh, say no to drugs. Or I probably just wasn't watching while I was doing drugs. There you go. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it just it it 
it just speaks to the truth of the, the kids are watching you. They're going to, what they see you do yeah. is what they're going to consider normal, what they're going to consider acceptable, what they're going to do. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just so true, man. Like you just, you watch it happen. You watch their mannerisms. You like my son, my son's not from Brooklyn, but he talks with his hands. Like he's from Brooklyn. Like he says, like my son does this all of the time. He's like, does he? Dad. He's like, Dad, I don't want to watch that. And I'm like, why are you talking with your hands? And I'm like, wow, well, I, I talk with my hands all the time. Like, yeah. you know, like being indecisive, you know. And so it's, it really is. It's insane, you know, when you really take a second to think about how much you have. And I think that's why I wanted to have this com- conversation with you was just because I think there's too many people out there who don't realize how much of a vital part they play in their children's life. Like I feel like you don't really think about it enough until you sit back and realize, like, I'm in charge. Like, if you think about it, like, like, again, being a Marine, you know, you're in charge of these Marines' livelihoods. You're in charge of, are they successful? Did I give them the adequate training? But now, if you really think about it in hindsight, bro, I'm in charge of my son, whether he's a great guy or he's a fucking shitbag. And now maybe one day he strays from the path and he does whatever. Maybe he becomes a horrible person. I don't know. But the reality of it is, is that I have to think about, okay, what am I doing day in and day out? to help him be the best version of himself. My daughter, what am I doing to help her? And this is a conversation I was having with um, with Bridget the other day. A lot of the reason why women feel the way they feel is because they've never seen the model of what a woman should be treated like. Bingo. They've, you know, a lot of women feel this certain way like my, my younger sister, my younger sister recently had a baby. Um, she's been with all these, you know, different guys, hasn't been happy, isn't married, blase, blase. But I can look at my sister and say, okay, well, you've I love my father to death, but you've never been shown what a woman and what a man look like happily. So because of that, you think it's okay that you're treated this way. You think it's normal that you're treated this way. When someone treats you differently, now you think, wow, that's weird. That's not how it's supposed to be. So that's why it's it's so paramount to me that I have to treat my, not, not that I, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but like, not that I have to treat my wife the right way, but that I should treat my wife the right way because my daughter is going to grow up watching her mother be treated by me. And then that's going to be her only understanding of how a woman should be treated. Her standard. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the only standard she has. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's none of it is single service, right? It's not just, you know, um it, it's it's a it's a legacy 
that you're leaving, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it, it there are certain things like we talked last time in the last podcast we did. I remember saying to you, like, I can't remember what it was you said, but I was like, look, man, you're breaking a generational curse there. Yeah. So there's certain generational traditions that you may want to carry forward. There's some you want to stop and those are hard to do. There may be others you want to create. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's the role you play in the, the, your link, the link you are in the chain of your lineage and, and how strong you want your link to be. And not only that, but how strong you're going to set up the future links to be right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, you know, man, it's it's the relationship that you build and get to have with your wife, what that models for your kids. So, for your son, the man, what what a man should be, and uh, uh, for your daughter, how she should be treated by a man, and then your, you know, the same just inverse for your wife how uh, uh how a woman should be for your daughter and for your son you know how uh, uh a woman should should interact with with her man it's yeah yeah man there's a lot of layers to that and it's again i i back to where we started i think there are wrong ways to do it i don't think there is a right way because you you know you've just got everything to deal with mm. um and again back to one of the first things we talked about in dealing with everything you've got to select what you're actually going to deal with and then everything else gets cut out like i'm not no i have no time no energy no no resources for that these are the things that are important to me and i will focus on those engage with those and learn from those yeah yeah wow bro this is um this has been a phenomenal conversation um, thank you i agree man i i think we've we've learned a lot from one another i think that it was very informative and it, it, it really it's just you know and it's something that i've been just realizing man like there's just so much to learn as you grow older you know as you grow you learn more different techniques you learn different things you know like you know like for instance um i don't know if this is the best best way to explain this but i'm going to try with it the room that i'm sitting in right now is the first room that i did the floors in right if you look in the closet it is the worst cut job ever but if you go into the other room and you look at that closet, that shit is fucking spot on. Tight. And and it's tight. And it's nice. And I said it to my wife. I was like, wow, look at this freaking room. Like, this room is very different than the other side of the house. And and that's the thing about it is, is that, like anything in life, we grow we learn, we adapt, we overcome, and we continue to make quick fixes. We continue to make changes. And, and that's the thing about it. And we have yeah. to, and we have to be able to forgive ourselves 
for the downfalls. We have to be able to forgive ourselves for the wrongdoings. We have to be able to for- ask forgiveness. Hey, listen, I know I messed up, but let me get better. And that's the thing about it is that we get so hard up on each other and on ourselves that we don't let each other fix the other room. We say, you know what? That one room is the only way that it can be. That's it. But no, if we try harder, it can be with a better version. And I and I think that's the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I agree. So the moral of all this is you can help me do my floors when you come down here. Bro, I'm down. I think uh, I think I've become quite a pro at this. Um, bro, my wife. It's funny, like that you say that. So on Saturday, on Saturday, so Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, Sunday. So excuse me, Sunday. My wife gets a text message from her friend, and she's like, "Hey, my dad wants to know who's doing your floors." My wife goes, "Doug." And then my wife's friend says, okay, well, you're, my dad said he wants him to come over. And then my wife says, Doug's exact words two minutes ago, fuck this. I'm never doing this again. I don't care how much you pay me. And, and it's, dude, I'm telling you right now, man, like, it's not that it's hard. It's just that, like, these floors, they're just so meticulous that like if you if a little bit of dirt gets in between if a little bit of dust gets in between it won't go down if you don't cut it like it's just so meticulous. and then i have add out the ass so like there's a piece my wife is like doug it's fine there's nothing wrong with it you don't need to pull it up it's completely fine and then i look at her and i'm like no there's wrong and then I pull that piece up, and then I'm like, crap. Yeah. And then I end up re- – like, dude, on Sunday, I literally did – I woke up at 8 a.m., started at 9. I did three and a half hours of work, and then I looked down, and I saw something I didn't like. So I ripped up three and a half hours of work oh. just to redo it. Just to redo it. And – and it was because of one little minuscule thing that no one else, like my wife didn't even notice why I pulled it up. And I was just like, but I know that it's there and I don't want it there. Yeah. And, and then while I was doing this whole thing, I realized that as meticulous as I was about these floors, that's how I need to be about my life. Like, that's how I should be about everything that I do. Everything that I do should have purpose. Everything that I do should be corrected if I can. And it's like, and that's why it's so hard for me because like, sometimes you're too hard on yourself. Sometimes you're not hard enough on yourself. And then it, it gets that, that thing, you know what I mean? Like, like the same thing with being, like with being a father. Okay, but like being too hard on the kid, Am I not being too hard on my kid? Then it's like, okay, well, am I being too hard on myself? Am I not being too hard on myself? The whole it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, if you if you can't, you want to hold a standard. And if if it's if you don't have the time, ability, or resources to not necessarily ability, ability can be developed. If you don't have the time to hold that standard to something you're gonna do, then don't then don't have it in your life, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, uh, I can relate. I did, uh, I did some hardwood flooring at a place I owned just outside of DC in like 2006. And I said the same thing when I was done, it was only like 800 square feet. And I was like, never, never again. Yeah. And now, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I did this downstairs with my father and then watching and then me and him did it together. And then I just did, I just decided to do the whole upstairs on my own. I don't know how, how much it's, it is, but it's a lot. And I, but, but it feels good that I did it on my own. I can literally be like, you know what? Nobody helped me. I did this on my own. I have no one to knew if it's horrible and it rips up in a year from now, it's no one else's fault but my own. Um, but it, you know, it just feels good. And, and, and the thing too about it, you know, it's all my fatherhood was being able to have my children watch me do something on my own. And, you know, and there was times where I got frustrated and I would yell and I would scream. And then I would look at my son and my daughter and I'd be like, I'm sorry, give me a hug because I'm trying to do floors and you're walking on top of them. I can't really have that going on, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and then my wife, she's pregnant. So she's trying to have them not be on the floors and she's trying to not scuff them while I'm doing them. And the dog's trying to get all over them, but you know, life is life. But Hey, I just want to say thank you for coming out, man. I really appreciate this. I can't wait. And I tell you, man, this is the end, the send-off to this episode. Um, I cannot wait till we actually get to meet each other, sit down, have a glass of whiskey, hang out with each other, some Jameson and Ginger, some 7 and 7, whatever, which one, and just chill, meet each other's families, yes, sir. be able to hang out with each other. Because, That's like, the, these conversations that we have, man, and I feel the same way about, about TMR – I feel the same way because it's 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 so insane that I feel like I know you, but I've never met you. I've yeah, never yeah. actually. You know, I wish it's crazy. I wish we could have recorded some of the conversations we had just just over the phone as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Never had a boring conversation with you. No, yeah. no, it's crazy, bro. I feel like I've known you, bro. I feel like I've known you longer than I've known a lot of my friends that I've known my whole life. Like I, I have, and and it's crazy because. Like yesterday, um, you know, I know it's not an end this, but it just it happened. So my brother, I don't speak to my older brother at all, ever. My older brother called me yesterday, and was like, "Hey, how are you?" And I was just like, "Is this really you?" Like it was such a random like. But if yeah. you called me. And we're like, hey, how are you? I'd be like, hey, what's going on, Brandon? How's everything going? Da, da, da. And it's so crazy because my own brother, who's 41, and I'm 31, I don't have that relationship with, but I have that relationship with you. So it's it's so crazy, and I've never even met you. So I can't wait till we actually get to meet each other, cheer at each other, and um, can't wait. So we're going to have to come out. Um, I told my wife we're going to have to come out probably June or July um, after the baby's born because she has time to take. I have time to take. And um, 
it'll be an awesome time. So I can't wait to come out to Texas and yeah. uh, see you yeah. and the family. So thank you for coming out. I appreciate it. Do you have any last words yeah. you want to share with us before we head out? What's that? Do you have any last words you want to share with us before we head out? Uh, man, nothing off the top of my head. Well, put me on the spot there, I guess. Uh, I, I think, you know, in terms of the, the overall theme of this, we were, we were talking about fatherhood. It, it, uh, it is, uh, I've seen this circling around the, the social medias recently. It's, it's something that where they say, you know, when you're growing up, you don't realize you're seeing your parents grow up as well. And looking at it from this side, it is, uh, you know, like I said, you've learned, you and your wife have taught, uh, uh, each other things about yourselves. Um, you and your wife have taught each other things about each other and about yourselves. Uh, that's going to happen more. My, you know, uh, uh, my kids are, we've talked about how our kids model us and they learn from us. I am definitely learning from them. And Amen. that is an, as far as I can tell, an ever ongoing process that I'm just yeah. I'm so looking forward to. And it's, yeah, it's not easy, but man, is it worth it? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, man, thanks again. Have a good night. I'll talk yes, to sir. you tomorrow. Adios. Probably. I'll talk to you, Benny. Bye.